All right. Good morning, everybody. It is Easter Sunday on April Fool's Day, 2018, and I am, uh, well, I'm Francisco, but, or known as FJOJR on YouTube. Uh, so good morning, and I've got my two friends once again doing the Sports Goose podcast number two. Uh, with uh, first, we'll introduce uh, Damp Frijoles, Andrew. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Uh, happy Passover to all who celebrate. Ah, that's right. And uh, and uh, happy April Fools. Don't get pranked. Yeah, uh, just don't don't go online today. You want any serious <laughs> news, please? And uh, <clears throat> we got uh we got our friend Dougie Souls. Doug, good morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning, everybody. Happy uh, Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Happy April Fools. Don't believe anything you read today. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to get things started off with a April Fools thing, I suppose. The Kansas City Royals tweeted that, quote, today's game has been postponed due to the bitter cold and expected snow accumulation this afternoon. And everyone thought that it was an April Fool's joke because of how weird that sounded. But apparently, <laughs> they actually are canceling their game for this afternoon. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, heading off to that, apparently, Anthony Davis has shaved his unibrow. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, hold on, hold on. I and, actually wanted to show that, too. Yeah, and everybody's like, wait, is this for real or is this April Fool's? It looks real to me. Um, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but definitely, uh, surprising. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it was, he, he, was it on Instagram post or something they put? Yeah. Yeah. It was an Instagram or, post, or, uh, video or, on Instagram. Oh yeah. And I guess it was on Twitter too, but, um, and people are, are like, people are like upset. They're really, really upset about it. Really? Um, yeah. Because like, you know, how could you mess with, that was his thing, it's you know? A, it's a unibrow. His thing is being an excellent basketball player. But it's his, like, icon. I guess. Well, let's go to the Anthony Davis Twitter. There it is. There he is right there. Yep. So. I'm about to make a drastic change in my life. Um, want you guys to be a part of it. This is something I've been thinking about for a while. Like I mean, I'll be honest, he so, still looks like Anthony um, Davis either way. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, my God. You definitely know what this is. Um, like I said, it's a big change I've not been thinking about, but here we go. No, people, because I, I, I was reading about it on Reddit, people are saying that this video is just like for show that he didn't actually do it in this video because his and brows look too professionally done. Here we go. Yeah. And like with the big oh, yeah, going down like that. that yeah. My bad guy. Yeah. It's done. Yeah, obviously, because yeah, if he went straight down with that razor, yeah, like, which it, 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 yeah if he will, <laughs> if he will went straight down, it would not like been you. a good look. So, but you know, either way, he's definitely. Y'all tell me, big moment, so, new AD, for him, new brow. <laughs> Let's get it. Okay. The unibrow well, is uh, no more. Hopefully they. Uh, well, I'm hoping they make the playoffs. Yeah, no, they'll be a fun team to watch for sure. And Anthony Davis is a beast, so it'll be great watching him in, uh, with the playoff run. So the Kansas City Royals have canceled their games and everybody thought it was fake. 
And uh, here's one more thing. We're still within the first few minutes here. We still got time for this. But uh, I, I stumbled across. I, know, I can't believe I haven't found this earlier. But if you guys haven't seen, I'll, I'll show you right here. It's the Captain Andrew Luck Twitter account. Yes. I love where, that. Where he is basically, uh, they basically have him like a, uh, like as if he's like a world, like a civil war general. Oh, really? Yeah, and basically writing to his, like, family back from, like, the front lines. Like, the latest one was, uh, let's see, March 27th. Dearest Mother, I write with glorious news. I have been indeed practicing with my sidearm in live rounds. I shall be battle-ready once more. I know this news is bittersweet, as you worry about your boy. But a good captain must be in the fray with his men. I miss you, Andrew. (laughs) And then uh, a bit of a... A bit of a dolphin's talk here, like, Dearest Mother, Lieutenant Gore has departed the unit. While I, mi- while I shall miss our frank discussions, he confided in me with his wish to one day swim with the dolphins. He shall be missed. <laughs> Onward, Andrew. Oh, man, this is amazing. I'm looking at it now, and the way they have his picture with his beard, how it is, is perfect. <laughs> a deal has been made between our unit and the Jetman of New York for new soldier selections. While the Jetmen shall select first among the Tenderfoots, we shall cut a wider swath. Satisfied, Andrew. <laughs> Whoever is running this account is absolutely brilliant. I need yeah. I need to follow this account now. I had no idea this was a thing. I, I started, I, I don't know, it was just somebody tweeted it, and I finally found it. I'm like, this is, this is just hilarity. Glorious day. It appears the unit will have a new general soon. Frank Reich shall take command. His eagles were the ultimate victor last campaign. Now the time has come to shed his feathers and attach some horseshoes. Invigorating. Andrew. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. This is amazing. Yeah. This this makes uh makes light more of the No Fun League. <laughs> so whoever, if you're ever on Twitter, just check out the Captain Andrew Luck Twitter account. And uh, next time I'll have another Twitter account I want to share. Uh, that's pretty funny. Just these parody accounts, which are just hilarious. Yeah, the Captain Andrew Luck Twitter account is gold. Absolute gold. <laughs> General Pagano, has, this is the last one. General Pagano has, has been in, indeed been relieved of his command. So it's best for the units. The decision does not reflect the soldier's respect and compassion for the man, but inspiration needed to be renewed. Confidence, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man, that's amazing. Pagano. So yeah, that's the Captain I wish, Andrew I Luck wish I, I wish I could be that creative and witty, but I can't. That is that is awesome. So that's some hilarity there from the Captain Andrew Luck. The the guy that the Dolphins should have tanked for but didn't. <laughs> okay, so that's the first few minutes here. So I guess we'll move on to our first big topic on a national news story. And it's probably the the new story of the last month, that's for sure, and as we creep into April and tomorrow's championship game, so that's uh, March Madness. The Yesterday was the Final Four, and we finally got our two, our two match, our championship matchup between Villanova and Michigan. To my, to my greatest ire, Michigan is in the final. <laughs> 
Um, uh, for those who may not recall, uh, Francisco is uh, is an undergrad alum of FSU, who Michigan beat. Uh, I want to say in the Sweet Sixteen. No, the 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 Elite Eight. Like oh, Elite Eight. They were they were the. I mean, FSU played badly. They played pretty sloppily. There were a lot of turnovers and. Uh, they just weren't. If they had cut down on their turnovers, I think they could have won. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. they. I mean, they lost by four, so it wasn't like uh, we were blown out. If we had just played with a little more focus and less panic, then I think we could have uh, beaten them and been in our first Final Four since like the seventies. But unfortunately, I, I blamed it on one of our friends from FIU. Um, his name is Josh. I won't say his last name. Josh, because he's actually uh, he's he also went to FSU for undergrad, but his family is from Michigan, and he he has his uh, allegiances to both schools. So I blamed him for it because you know he had to choose a side. He can't be on the fence, and he he you know because of that the 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 college basketball gods didn't didn't have enough power in FSU's favor. So I blame him, and then, you know, it's all his fault. He's had a very rough couple of years because a couple of seasons ago it was uh, Florida State and Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Yes. Yeah, well, we beat them then, so I guess it evens out. <laughs> but as long as they lose, I'll be fine. Villanova can take it again. But, uh, so, but... I guess we'll start with the first round. I've got this bracket here. This it's from SportsLogos.net. It's pretty cool college basketball court uh, bracket that they've got here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's. Oh, that's it, cool. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. What, what do you guys want to talk about with like any surprises? I know Doug that you um, oh. kind of disappointed you. Yeah. Uh, I, this bracket was full of surprises. Like in. I, I, you know, I did a bracket in my south region of the bracket. I got four out of 15, right? So <laughs> it was full of surprises this year. Uh, yeah, UM, UM got the lucky first-round draw against uh, Loyola Chicago in the first round. They lost by two. Um, I wasn't surprised. Honestly, I should have picked Loyola because UM all year has been very inconsistent. Um, so it wasn't too much of a shocker. Uh, but Loyola just just went on a run after that, and uh, they beat Tennessee, they beat Nevada, they beat Kansas State, up until uh, up until Michigan. Uh, so, you know, it was an impressive run for them. It wasn't a difficult run, I must say. The way the Southern uh, bracket was was lined, you know, lined up with the teams, the actual teams that were there. Uh, you had Virginia, you had Kentucky, and then, you know, that was pretty much your, your blue bloods for college basketball. Yeah. Um, so Loyola, they went far, but I feel like they didn't beat, you know, the competition that other teams had to face, but still it was an impressive run nonetheless. Like, you know, it's high-pressure environments. So you still got to win those tough, tight games, and they did it. So my hat's off to them. I have four letters for you. UMBC. <laughs> yeah. 
They're uh, oh, well, first for UBC. They, uh, for those who don't know, University of Mich- uh sorry, University of Maryland at Baltimore County, uh, the Retrievers. They just Wolf. shocked the sports world. They took out not just a number one seed, the number one number one seed in Virginia. Absolutely, just blew them out. Yeah. No one was expecting it. It was probably the biggest upset of all time in in March Madness. Yeah, I remember. I mean, they, we were watching. Yeah. We we were watching the uh, another game on TV, you know, because. While we're going to tune to Virginia versus UMBC, we we knew who was going to win. So we're I can't remember what game we were watching, but we're watching another game. And you know how they have like the score tracker on the top. You know, yeah. as you're watching the game, you can check the scores of the other teams. I saw that UMBC was killing Virginia in the second half. I was like, oh my goodness, we need to put that game on right now. And we switched, and it was it was amazing to witness. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I, I I remember I didn't watch the game like the first round um, because I, I don't I don't I knew because Florida State's in the first round I don't like watching the first round because I'm like man I really do not want to be disappointed so I didn't watch them face off against Missouri but you know I was tired whatever and it was late at night and I'm seeing like the tweets like UMBC UMBC I'm like what wait what's happening what's going on here. And I'm reading up like they are facing off against the number one. They this is number sixteen, like almost the lowest of the low, against the number one team in the country, as you said before, Doug. And it's just they they beat them. They they just and the beauty of this is that the Virginia Cavaliers from now on, until they win, I don't know, a national championship in like football or basketball. They're never gonna live it down. So I don't think they're ever gonna live it down, no matter how well they do. I mean, the only way is if they win the national championship next year and just like make everyone forget it. But yeah. definitely gonna be uh, a lot of jokes about them once uh, college football season starts because it's just like, you know, your school is so pathetic. <laughs> you guys can't even beat. <laughs> you guys are the the number one team in the country. You guys can't even beat it. You the most embarrassing but, loss in probably college basketball. Luckily, history. luckily they won't have to face Baker Mayfield on the football next year because he can't even trash talk the fans. He would say, "Oh hey, go watch basketball." Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> Your team loses to UMBC. Oh boy, that's gonna be great. Oh, I can't. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait for. Uh, Man, if there's a college game day where, like, Virginia is on the road against somebody and ESPN is there or whatever, I can't oh, wait to signs? see the signs. Yes. Yeah, they're going to be I'm pretty amazing. sure they're going to be a ton poking fun at them. Probably somebody will bring their, their dog, the Golden Retriever. It's like a fleet of Golden Retrievers. <laughs> <laughs> An armada of Golden Retrievers. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Sharksville. We love you. Ah, uh, so that's uh, so so great. Uh, Loyola Chicago uh, is it was great. It was great. They had like their jersey on the Jordan statue outside the United Center in Chicago. Yeah, that was they pretty had, sick. That was nice. They, 
they were the the talk of the town. I'm kind of they had Sister Jean, the 98 year old nun that was basically their team mascot for this entire run. Uh, it sucks that they lost, uh, but you know Cinderella run has to end at some point. Yeah, and apparently you know they're not they're not uh, you know nobodies. Uh, from what I've heard, they I. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they have won the men's uh, championship before in basketball. I think it was in 1968, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they have they they've got the pedigree. They've got the pedigree. So who knows? Maybe next year will be their year. They could turn into another Butler, maybe. Yeah, another Butler. You know, one of the small schools: the Butlers, the Xaviers, Gonzaga. the Villanovas, Gonzaga. Yeah. I'll just say though that. UMBC, uh, Loyola, uh, what they did this year is they, you know, in a year where everyone's talking like, oh, the UCFs, the, the, these lower schools, the non-power five schools, they don't belong in tournaments and stuff. I've be, made crazy. Um, there was one person on Twitter who suggested that teams that are not in the Power Five, uh, so that's the Atlantic, uh, that's the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, and Pac-12. Teams that are not in those conferences should not be in the national championship in March Madness. That's quite possibly the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, so it's the, past, like, I can understand if this was football in a way, and not even then, but basketball is just a whole different animal when it comes to, you know, just com- the competitive balance of teams. Anybody can be anybody, as we've seen. That's the right. beauty of March Madness. Mm-hmm. It's that's the reason why people watch. And that's why and like, UCF fans and fans in general, they want the college football playoff to expand to allow the Cinderella teams in because you never know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, if uh, college football had a second round, where it'd just be like the NFL, just have a uh, a, a divisional round, let's say, and then have a champions conference or whatever round, and and obviously it would create more opportunities for sponsorship because you know the NCAA loves its mo- loves its money, you know, mm-hmm. without paying their their uh, their athletes. If you guys want to hear about that mm-hmm. in our first. In our first episode, where we talked about non-payment of college athletes. But, yeah, it would be an opportunity for that, too. Yeah. But, you know, you've got, you know, going back to college basketball, Villanova won the championship in 2016, and they're not, you know, they're not one of those power conferences. So, you know, like you said, Francisco, it's the beauty of March Madness. It's probably the greatest playoff in sports. Absolutely. It's, I agree 100%. It, it's, it allows the Cinderella team to at least make a run at right. a and, title. And it's like the time of, of those the fans of those teams, and it's like the time of their lives. Like It's so fun like to actually be on the national stage, to be talked about, you know, to go up against the Giants and go blow for blow in you know, these heavyweight bouts and March Madness. It's, yeah. it's an amazing story. So, uh, other than that, what do you guys, uh, anything else to say about it? 
I don't uh, know. I mean, what what predictions know, for the championship? I I've never filled out a March Madness bracket just because a I know I'm going to fail and b I prefer rooting for the underdog without having any uh, I don't know anything riding on it. That being said, uh, I really want Villanova to win. The the underdog spirit is in me. I feel uh, I feel like Michigan's firing on all cylinders at the right time. They ended their regular season strong. They won the Big Ten championship um, to end the year. They've got all the momentum, and uh, I think Michigan takes the the championship game. That's my prediction. I'll probably go with Villanova. I'm pretty sure there are some of the some of their older like juniors and seniors are holdovers from that last championship. So some of them have been there before, have been at this stage, and and they've they've pretty they've been doing pretty well against their competition. So I, I would say, as far as them making it round by round, I think they've overall done pretty well. So I would go with Villanova for experience and just overall play over Michigan, and not because I'm a bitter FSU fan. But that's also part of it. All right. So that's our prediction. The two Villanovas and the Michigan. All right. We'll see eating crow uh, tomorrow evening. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And all my predictions have been wrong thus far, so I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out in a few weeks. When we get to our next episode. So, all right. So that's uh, that's it for March Madness. That's pretty. It's been pretty fun. I think this one this one was probably one of the better ones we've seen in a while, as far as the upsets and and the storylines. Yeah. Probably one of the more fun ones mm-hmm. we've had. Yeah. Obviously, uh, if we have a, a, if Villanova has another finish like they did the last time they won, it's gonna be great. No, absolutely. It'll be one to watch for sure. Okay. So we're going to move on to uh, my first topic. We're 20 minutes in. And, uh, well, this is my topic, my topic that I want to talk about. Because it's something that I've been thinking about for the longest time. In the NBA, I don't know so much so in the NHL or the NFL or, or Major League Baseball. But it's the doing away of the Eastern and Western Conference and basically ranking each team from 1 through 16 as far as playoff seeding is concerned, regardless of where they are in regionally. Okay. Is that is that rumored or is that confirmed? It, it's not. It's, I, I don't know. I, I think the NBA owners have to all agree to it. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's a little tough for them to – for some of them to decide, especially if you're an Eastern Conference NBA owner, because what's going to happen is there are some terrible teams in the Eastern Conference. Oh yeah. Okay, but this year's NBA, like for like for the longest time, the Eastern Conference has been weaker than the Western Conference. This year, it's a little. There's a little more parity. The bottom West teams are kind of on par with the bottom East teams this year. So the NBA is a little mm-hmm. done a little better with that or at least the teams are playing a little better than, than they used to be. I mean, I remember back in the early 2000s, it was not even close. 
how terrible the Eastern Conference was compared to the Western Conference. And so this is part of the, the – for me, it's all about fairness. So we're going to – I'm going to show right now, as you can see, there's a map with the, the locations of all these NBA teams uh, from from the Heat and all the way down to South Florida, the Raptors in Canada, to the Blazers up northwest, and then all the, the four California teams. So I'll have the – the NBA standings right here. So this is. Let me uh, let me interact with this a little bit. So as you can see, uh, I've pulled up the rankings here on ESPN. So we've got the the number one team in all of the NBA are the Houston Rockets. They've got the best record, and so if this is the way things would be looking like if the NBA's playoff structure wasn't Eastern Conference and Western Conference where the best eight teams from the East and the best eight teams from the West go to the playoffs. And then each conference will have it out to declare a victor and have the two conference winners face off in the NBA Finals. So the, the Houston Rockets would be number one. And so then we count down. Number two would be the Golden State Warriors. Uh Number three would be the Toronto Raptors. Then four would be the Boston Celtics. Five, the Portland Trailblazers. So they would be ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are a three-seed in the East. Then you have the 76ers at, um, at, at, at seven. Eight would be the Indiana Pacers. So those would be the teams that would have home court advantage in the first round. Followed by the Pacers would face off against the Spurs. The Sixers are face off against the Wolves. And could you imagine that series? These two young teams that are just, like, going to hit their stride soon. The Wolves versus, versus the Sixers in the first round. That'd be that exciting. Would be, that would be, yeah, that would be a great series right there. Okay, then you could have the Thunder versus the Cavaliers. Westbrook versus LeBron. Okay. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Then you have the Jazz against the Blazers. Uh, and then, uh, so that would be... The Jazz against the Blazers, followed by the Pelicans against the Celtics, then the Wizards versus the Raptors, then the Bucks versus the Warriors, so the Greek Freak against the Warriors, <laughs> and then finally the Clippers and the, the Rockets. So under this format, you'd have the best 16 teams going at it. And our Miami Heat would probably be out of it. Well, they'd be fighting right now for that last spot with the Nuggets and the Clippers. But I think this would be a much more fair format. You would actually have the, the victor, like really be the victor out here because for the longest time, the Western Conference probably had the best teams. And like the Houston Rockets could probably face off against the Golden State Warriors, let's say, in the NBA Finals which I think would be a really great test of who really is the best team in the, in the world. Now, the thing I find interesting is how are they going to determine who plays whom? Because usually, uh, at least with conferences, you play you know, every team in your conference X amount of times, and then you have a rotating schedule of who you play in the other conference. Yeah, that's the that would be something they'd have to decide as far as how they would schedule the NBA regular season. 
unless they find a way to even it out completely and maybe have a, maybe a certain team that you would face off against a little more to build, like, a rivalry. So, like, the Miami Heat would face off a few more times against the Orlando Magic because they would be rivals. But that right. may not work entirely because some teams really don't have any rivals, any, like, a certain rival because they're not regionally the same. Or, or like, the Texas teams, the Spurs and the, the Mavericks, there's only three of them, and they would all be rivals against each other. Right. Um, or the four California teams, the same thing. So it, it'd be a little tricky with regards to who, how the regular season would be played out, but the playoff format would be that way. Yeah. The issue would be the NBA owners from the Eastern Conference especially, they wouldn't want, they at the very least wouldn't want to lose the two home games at least they would get if, in the case of a sweep. Because right. that's two more games. They jack up the prices for playoff games. And that's two more games that they lose to, if they go under this format. So the Miami Heat, I'm sure Mickey Harrison wouldn't like it that we would lose out basically on a tiebreaker to the Los Angeles Clippers under this format, where the Heat are a seven seed, I think, right now under the current format. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I stand with LeBron on this issue. Uh, he's against removing conferences and playoffs. Uh, he believes that it changes the the history and the landscape of the game, and and I agree. I, I like the whole East versus West thing. Uh, it's what I grew up with. There's been a lot of great rivalries over the years between Eastern and, and Western Conference teams. You know, in the finals, and I believe LeBron said that. You know, it's a cyclical thing. Sometimes, you know, one decade you'll have the Western Conference as a dominant conference. Next decade you'll have the Eastern Conference as a dominant conference. So I understand the fairness thing. It is the logical thing, but I just prefer how it is now. You know, I, I feel like the Eastern and Western Conferences have their own separate identities. Like right now the Western Conference is like the high-flying, high-scoring, you know, exciting, you know, offensive basketball conference. And the Eastern Conference, you don't really have the big names, but you have so many gritty, like, blue-collar teams. And I like that dynamic between the two conferences. So, um, you know, I understand the fairness aspect, and, you know, it is a valid argument, but my preference would be to, to keep the identities of the Eastern and Western Conference. Yeah, I, I get that. That you wouldn't get the the Lakers Celtics rivalry as much. Right, right, exactly. And so, uh, you know, obviously LeBron's been the beneficiary of this this format. True, true. Uh, he is a biased party, that's for sure. <laughs> because the last uh, four what four seasons, the the well actually not not even since since he. Since he went to Miami. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been, been in the, most... the conference finals or, or in the NBA finals every single year. So, yeah, he's definitely the beneficiary of it for sure. Because look at this. I mean, right now the Cavaliers wouldn't – they'd have home court, but they wouldn't be a high seed. They'd be the number six seed. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you could split the playoff format where it'd be like 
basically like college basketball, you have the number ones on two sides to split it that way. So the two number ones would be Houston and Golden State. Mm-hmm. And then they would basically funnel down from there. Or you could do like uh, like the NHL does and have the reseeding where whoever is the higher seed will get the home court from there on. But that's just an idea that I think would be interesting. It'd be, I mean, just for an experiment, you could do it for like two or three seasons. See if, yeah. see if it's anything interesting. Maybe you could get some pretty exciting playoff chances and then who knows, or they could just, if anything, they just go back to some, to, to the old way. But yeah, that's true. Okay. Power, Maybe it's something, I mean, I don't, necessarily know how the G League uh, playoffs are. Uh, the G League is the NBA's developmental league or the, their minor league. Um, but if it's the same current format, you know, Eastern versus Western teams, uh, maybe they can experiment down there first. If they don't already do That's it, true. you know, see how it goes and use that as a trial run. Yeah. So that will be an opportunity right there to test it. And, you know, if it works, then maybe maybe they, they should, you know, implement it at you know, the NBA level. Okay. It's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, it's it's not. Uh, I mean, that that's what Major League Baseball does. Or mm. I think the, the NHL does it too with the American Hockey League. Like, they, they try out some stuff. Try to, right, like do the rule changes at the lower level, see how it works, and if, you know, it's successful, then bring it up to the majors. All right. So that's, uh, I think that's enough with the NBA conference talk it's just an interesting idea that would be a nice experiment in the future but so but the NBA playoff races right now I think the Heat are settled in on their position so they're good they they'll they'll obviously make the playoffs this season which will be great uh, especially if we get one more run out of Dwayne Wade before he retires mm-hmm. all right so we'll move on to the next topic and that is the NHL playoff races. Andrew, I believe you would like to take the head on this conversation, so go ahead. Sure. Well, <clears throat> well, as you can see in the picture there, um, that's the Lightning versus the uh, Boston Bruins there. The Lightning, well, let me just give a quick overview. Um, right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight slots have been punched out of the 16 total uh, playoff slots. Uh, you've got Nashville, Boston, Tampa, Vegas. Big story. Go back to last episode if you want to hear more about that. Um, Winnipeg, Toronto, Washington, and Pittsburgh are all in the playoffs. And Vegas uh, has done the unthinkable. They have they have done history. They have. They are the first team in any North American sport to win their division in their first year of existence. That's super. So that is tremendous. Um, they won last night, which clinched the division for them, the Pacific Division. So now there are tons of teams being elim- that have been eliminated. Uh, and I apologize that I'm pausing so much. I have, I'm a little bit under the weather, so 
have a bit of a stuffy nose, making it hard for me to breathe. Uh, um, if he passes out, we'll just move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the technical difficulties <laughs> thing on the beep. Um. So. So right now, the if if for anyone that doesn't know how the NHL playoff system is structured. And, and Andrew, I've got the standings up on the screen there. So, I mean, you can start with the Eastern Conference. As sure. I've got it there, and then I can scroll down to the Western Conference after that. So what happens is three teams from each division, uh, each conference is made up of two divisions. The top three teams from each division automatically make it, and then the top two remaining teams, the wild cards, advance as well. And that's from either division in the conference. So for the Atlanta, for the Eastern, the Atlantic division, all three te- all three of their automatic slots have been taken: Boston, Tampa, and Toronto. Uh, Florida, the Panthers, they're in the running for the wild card slot. It's not looking but, good. Uh, yeah, it's time is fading fast for them. Over in the Metropolitan, Washington and Pittsburgh have clinched. Uh, they're still waiting for one other team. Uh, to get that third slot, and then there are, in total, four teams actually in the running for either a play of the automatic slot or for the wild card slot out of uh, out of the Metropolitan in the West. There's a lot more parity in the Western Conference just in general. Uh, so Nashville and Winnipeg. They've clinched. Vegas has clinched. So now we're waiting on three other teams to fill out the playoff slot in the West. Um, right now, Nashville is in the lead for the President's Trophy, which is the uh, team with the best record in the we- in the regular season, um, which is a big. Uh, well, that's a big story, at least in my end. I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, and they've kind of, uh, I won't say tanked, but they've, they've lost gone, the team. Yeah, they've gone on, on a cold streak recently. Sounds like someone else is sick. What? Oh, I mean, the. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess the, that might be my computer that sounds sick. Oh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, they were in the president's trophy lead and they seemed unstoppable, but they've kind of gone on a cold streak recently in their last 10 games, they're five and five. Um, whereas Nashville who currently has the lead is six, three and one. So, uh, hopefully Tampa picks up the pace a little bit more, but they've actually been surpassed by Boston. They have been surpassed by Boston as well. And I was looking at the state. I was looking at their record, seeing what happened, and I'm realizing that if if you could scroll in or uh, expand on Tampa's uh, schedule uh, record more specifically, okay, they're a very all or nothing team. Um, if you look at Boston above them. 
they have 11 overtime losses, which are one each loss in overtime or shootout is worth one point. Tampa's very all or nothing. They only have four of those type wins. So they either win or they lose the regulation. Now let's let me, let me look at their schedule here. They let's see. So this is their entire schedule. So but let's look at their stuff lately. Uh, let's go to Tampa Bay Lightning. And so uh, for let me just throw in some Panthers talk. It's a big uh, deal. Whoa, that is loud. <laughs> so Panthers talk. The Panthers have. Uh, I've been the best team in the NHL since the All Star break, but it's fairly fairly obvious now so that's the latest lightning stuff it's fairly obvious now that they can't keep that pace up and doug like we talked about last podcast they seem to be doing the miami heat thing where they have the best Mm -hmm. team for the second half of the season but they start losing steam at the end because it's just too hard to sustain that momentum for basically what is a third of the season or or what have you so it Mm -hmm. looks like the panthers may finally lose some steam and may miss out on the playoffs by maybe a a point or two, which is going to be disappointing, but uh, it's great that they went on this run in the first place. But it's still going to be it's still going to suck at the end. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's good. It's something to build on for next year for sure. Kind of like what the Heat have done this year is they built on last year's late run success to make sure they're in the playoffs this year. And they've over the course of the entire season they've been a little more consistent. So yeah. hopefully the Panthers repeat the same next year, but you know it's definitely it's definitely tough to see your team get so close, and yeah. in the end, just you know you can't, you can't they can't fight anymore. Yeah, and just, uh, you know that 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 happens when you kind of you know get behind the the ball a little bit so much earlier in the season, mm-hmm. and you have such a big hole to climb out. But I mean, still, regardless, it, it's a fantastic run, and, and they deserve all the credit for for showing the heart that they've shown. I mean, they have the fighting. slimmest chance if they like win out and the New Jersey Devils somehow fall apart in these last few games, but uh, it doesn't seem likely right now. Uh, especially with their the fact that they face Boston two more times and the Nashville Predators. So, but uh, so that's the the thing with the Panthers. But here we have the Tampa Bay Lightning and their remaining schedule, as and as well as their their latest. Uh, Escapades and their wins. So they had a three-game losing streak. Wow. Did not even notice that. Wait, who had the three-game losing streak? I thought Wait, the Lightning. They had a three-game lo- losing streak until they beat the Rangers last game. I was going to say, we we won the other night, but... Yeah. But yeah, I'm it's... Very surprised by that. Yeah, it's been a very tough go of things. Yeah, and I mean, also that uh, that music that popped on was just an, a video clip of the Lightning Rangers game on ESPN, and they just have auto video pop. Yeah, they always reason. do that. The the um, what was it the I got I did uh, the our last video got demonetized because apparently the NHL doesn't like us using their clips, so <laughs> I'm avoiding that in this one. We only well, worked, to anyone, we only accumulated one cent before the NHL got wind of it. Well, hey, we can officially say that we're professional podcasters now, and no one can take that away from us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, the Lightning have 
They beat the New York Rangers. They needed to beat them. Look at that, a pounding. But yeah, I, when I saw that, I, the first thing that came to my mind was, ah, those. There's where all those goals were from the past couple of games. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a bludgeoning seven goals. Yeah, that's. Uh, but the three-game losing streak is where they lost finally that. Especially that loss to Boston at the end. That's where the basically where the Bruins surpassed them in a sense. Uh, and the good news is uh, we play them twice more, uh, the Bruins, than we're actually playing Nashville tonight. Yeah, yeah. Nashville is. I think they're doing the Florida back to back. So they'll get the Lightning first, and then they'll face the Panthers, which will be good for the Panthers because. Hopefully the Lightning can work the Predators and make them tired so that when they come to sunrise, the Panthers can hopefully nab the two points and and hopefully the Devils lose. But the Lightning didn't help the Panthers' cause by losing to the Devils to the one. Mm. And, <laughs> and the Lightning lost to the Arizona Coyotes of all teams. So that, that was embarrassing. Oh, but, that's a topic another day. Uh, uh, ex- uh, folding teams together in the NHL. Oh, I know yeah. That we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, that's, an, that's something we'd like to talk I mean, it's something that I've researched before and I'd like to talk about in the future, but that's for another episode. So, uh, yeah, that's the lightning. Yeah, so the – so uh, anything more, Andrew, you want to talk about the NHL? Any surprises? Not really. I mean, this – there's not really much to report on right now because things are kind of starting to settle in. Um, I don't know. I'll come back in a couple of weeks once everything is yeah, officially sorted out and then I'll yeah. get predictions. I mean, the playoffs will be probably in the first round at that point. The next time we talk. Yeah. They'll, they start in, they start the, like the 11th of April, I believe. So it'll be in like one or two weeks. Yeah. The NBA and the NHL playoffs are going to be, uh, hand and basically the at, running at the same time, so that's going to be great. All right, so finally, uh, well, let's go to the next topic. Uh, what down here in South Florida, uh, when Heisinga is a name that either some people like, love, or hate, uh, he but his impact here has been pretty huge, like. Out of all the sports figures that have come down here, he's he's up there. He's up there on the, I would say the, I don't know if you call it Mount Rushmore, but I guess the Hall of Fame of South Florida professional sports. And Doug, uh, I know you'd like to talk about it and expand on Wayne Heinzinga and his impact down here. Yeah, uh, Wayne Wayne Heinzinga has definitely been a polarizing figure in the. Uh, in the South Florida landscape, you know, for for most, you know, the duration of his life, um, it's widely known down here for for um, bringing the Dolphins, the Panthers, and uh, well, he bought the Dolphins, not, right? He bought the Dolphins, but he brought the Marlins and he brought uh, the Panthers, MLB and NHL to South Florida, and. I was talking with a guy at my job the other day. Uh, he 
he's a little bit older. He lived through that time, and he he remembers the the excitement in South Florida at that time when when they found out they were getting an NHL team and an MLB team. You know, it was a very very big deal back then. You know, kind of I guess what we're what we're experiencing today with uh, David Beckham and MLS, but they actually had concrete plans back then, so you know it was that much better. Yeah, and uh, you know. Well, about him, who knows? You know, who knows if we would have gotten, um, you know, those those pro teams in baseball and hockey. Uh, we are a big market, but you know, there's other big markets out there that are missing uh, the core sports teams. So, you know, he's definitely gets credit for that. Um, he's a very successful businessman. He started Waste Management, Blockbuster, and AutoNation, which I believe are three Fortune 500 companies. He started all of them. I believe at the age of 25 years old, he started with a single garbage truck and a single route. And that's how he built Waste Management. And from there, it was, it was history. So definitely a very, very successful person in their lifetime. Caught flack. In, uh, after the Martins won the 1997 World Series championship for uh, setting the blueprint that the Martins still follow today in terms of blowing <laughs> up the team, fire sailing, getting rid of all the players. Um, you know, it was questionable as to why he did it. Uh, a lot of fans uh, hold grudges against him for that. I don't, uh, you know, no one's perfect. And, he can't take away from the man and, and, and the successes he's, he's, he's had in his life. And, you know, if he could have done it over again, maybe, you know, seeing what the result was, maybe he would have decided to, to, to not pursue that strategy and, and build a legitimate championship contender down here in South Florida, which the Martins were very capable of in that time. Just, you know, the influx of a little bit more money and more talent, um, you know, that's how you build the fan bases down here. You know, you build fan bases here by winning. And Miami is no different than any other city. Uh, the Yankees, for a while, were not winning, uh, you know, years and years ago. They were struggling with fans. So it's not just a Miami thing. It's it's every major city. That's, that's what brings the fans. That's how you build the loyalty, the culture. Um, when Heisinger cut down that, that 97 World Series championship team, it kind of stunted that growth, mm-hmm. and we haven't really been able to get it going again here in South Florida. But, um, you know, he's a, a very accomplished man. He's done a lot. He's given us a lot. So um, sad to hear about the passing. Uh, I, I was listening on the radio on 560 WQAM. Uh, they're the one mm-hmm. that I listen to the most. And it, they were talking to, I think, Dave Hyde of the Sun Sentinel. Oh, I heard that segment. Yeah, and basically the story about Wayne Huizenga and that 97 team. Apparently the story was that Al Leiter and a few of the players from that team, they, they knew he was going to break it up. I mean, it was basically known that if the Marlins didn't get a stadium out of basically winning the World Series and no either Broward or Palm Beach or Miami Day didn't put up the the their own cash for for building a stadium that he would break that team up. Ooh, okay. uh, he he lost apparently like from what the story is, he lost like forty million dollars that season. Ooh. 
putting that team up because they had one of the highest payrolls in baseball at that point. Uh, he went all right. in on that season. They had to win. That was championship or bust. And they won it. They barely won it, but they won it. And it still wasn't enough for Wayne Huizenga to – when Al Leiter came in and he told him, yeah, I lost like – or maybe it wasn't 40 Maybe it was like $10 million or something like that. But the Major League Baseball salaries weren't the same as they are today. I mean, they're still high but compared to other sports. But he said that if you guys put up your own money, I'll keep the team together. And none of the players were willing to do that. So, and obviously, right, which, uh, you know, the players association probably wouldn't have been happy with that, especially after the strike happened three seasons prior. So the, it it was unfortunate that that happened because it, Mm -hmm. it was, like you said, it stunted the growth of the Marlins. They were able to, out of the rubble of that 97 teams breakup, they built up the 2003 teams uh, roster, Mm -hmm. but the rubble of the 2003 team uh, couldn't make another championship after that. And we obviously got John Henry bought the team from Wayne Huizenga, but he, he made a smart decision in selling the Marlins and going for the Red Sox as he's won. He's won three championships since then. And we got stuck with Jeffrey Loria who destroyed the Montreal Expos. And basically destroyed the Marlins and left Derek Jeter and crew with even worse rubble than when he entered. Mm -hmm. How that man, Jeffrey Laurie, was allowed to buy another team is is amazing. Yeah, it's uh, Major League Baseball, Bud Sea League, and Rob Manfred are guilty for the destruction of South Florida as Dan Lepitard had. We talked about it. We talked about it last last podcast, so we won't go too much into it. But Wayne Huizenga, uh, he was a pretty competent Dolphins owner, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he tried. He he gave the Dolphins all the resources in the world to try and succeed. And just the Dolphins, being the Dolphins, couldn't do it. Uh, Dan Marino retired. And his final game was a blow-up against the Jaguars in the playoffs. And uh, uh, Nick, the, the Nick Saban thing. <laughs> I mean, we tried. Oh, Nick yeah, Saban. I think that was a good effort. That was a good effort. Uh, I think, I think, I do think Nick Saban could have been successful in the NFL down here with the Miami Dolphins if that was where his heart was. But uh, I mean, he doesn't have a soul. You know. So. Right, right, exactly. So that's that's why he left. Yeah, he doesn't. Have <laughs> but goal, you know, if he's if he stayed here, I, I think I think the Dolphins would be in better shape. They would be in better shape today than than they are right now. And um, you know, I, I think he would have been a good coach down here if he had elected to stay. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Johnson. So wait, tried. wait. Yeah, you know, Heinzica made the right choices for the Dolphins. They just didn't necessarily work out. You know, this. There's only so much you can do when you're making the right decisions and they're not working out. And obviously the Dolphins' downfall was the fact that they never had a preparation plan for when Dan Marino was Right. They, yeah. they didn't have a plan. They're just like, okay, we don't need a we don't need a quarterback. We don't we just need a an okay quarterback and and a good team around them. But if you can't develop the good team around them, then you might have might as well do it the other way. 
and have a really good quarterback, and then the good team will come. As yeah. as Dan Reno went out, the Patriots machine was about to start. So right. Look what happened. Uh, and obviously for the Panthers, Heisinger was about to move the team to Nashville. That's really like they had plans for that before the 95-96 season because the Panthers were playing out of the Miami Arena. The Miami Arena was an was outdated the day it was built. <laughs> like the Heat and the the Panthers were in an outdated building already when it was built. And that's why they called it the Pink Elephant. The <laughs> but he he was losing money on the Panthers and he had plans to move it to Nashville or sell it to a group that was going to put a team in Nashville and obviously a couple seasons later the Predators were built. But that 95-96 run, the year of the rat, saved the franchise. And Huizenga, being a Broward guy, was more than happy that Broward County put up the money to build what is now the BB&T Center. And now the Panthers have a permanent home for at least the next decade going going on with uh, the new ownership. But that 95-96 season, I mean, Huizenga, once again, he – he gave his teams all the resources that they needed. He was a visionary when it came to that. And the Panthers had the resources. Uh, he had great staff to build that 96 team. Uh, and until the Golden Knights came by, the Panthers had the best inaugural team of all time. So, uh, and he finally built the BB&T Center, the house that Heisinger built. So he, amongst the Panthers fans, he's uh He's a hero. They finally retired his number this season, uh, number 37, which is the year he was born and his favorite number. And it was his last, really, basically his last public appearance um, mm. before he died. So uh, so just, uh, I guess, finally he, he, he saw his, as far as his sports endeavors were concerned, because he's major successful, once again, blockbuster, waste management, auto nation, and what have you. Uh, he finally saw something and he got a ring in 97 and finally one of the teams honored him forever uh, with uh, with an accolade such as the retirement of a number so uh, rest in peace to Wayne Huizenga, his family uh, he's done a lot of philanthropy and stuff and I'm sure his family they almost owned the Heat at one point, that's another story um, yeah, yeah he almost that had all four true. but uh, Mickey Harrison stepped in, vetoed it. Uh, but, yeah, what a great man and something we hope to all aspire to one day if we ever could own a franchise. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, finally, we're going to go on to our last topic. We are hitting the one-hour mark, and then we'll finally close it out. Uh, so, it is... The opening week of Major League Baseball started on Thursday, March 29th, and things have, uh, you know, it's baseball. It's it's exciting. The beginning of the season, no matter how terrible you think your team is going to be, the first day is always really fun, really exciting, maybe. And you just, I don't know, I always have a sliver of hope that maybe, just maybe the Marlins can cannot make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> Just well, they failed on the first pitch. 
Oh, uh, oh God. Yeah, this it, it was the opening day for the Marlins. It was weird. It was really weird, and it's par for the course for this franchise. So the the pregame stuff. I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, Doug tweeted me while we were both at work. Uh, Doug tweeted me this from Mark Hawkman. He's uh, one of the radio hosts for 560 WQAM. And it was a, <laughs> it was basically the pregame show that they did before the game at Marlins Park, before the Cubs Marlins opener. And Derek Jeter being, you know, guy with a lot of clout, he got DJ Khaled to come by and do a little oh, post- yeah. pregame, like, not even a concert. I was just like a hype thing. <laughs> so DJ Khaled's doing his set. And there's probably, it's probably like 40 minutes before first pitch. The seats aren't full. People are starting getting into the ballpark. The, the traffic around Marlins Park is horrible. <laughs> so, and it's probably lunch rush at that time. So there's probably like maybe 5,000 people in the stands who got there early to watch batting practice or whatever. And they're probably mostly Cubs fans, so they don't really care about DJ Khaled. And they're obviously not there for him. He holds up his mic. He's like, he's like, Miami, Marlins fans, let me hear make some noise. He holds up his microphone, and you just hear – <laughs> and Mark Hockman, he said he he turned his volume up all the way just to, to make it seem like like look I'm not messing with you this is actually happening <laughs> there's nobody cheering and you see DJ Khaled's face like nobody's cheering <laughs> like this has never happened to me before. <laughs> Uh, There's nobody there. I'm pretty sure the air conditioners were louder than than yeah. than the the fans that the few thousand fans that were in the stands. God, the Marlins, dear Lord, they they, I I I I applaud the effort. Jeffrey Lord could never get someone like him to come by, but that could have been better thought through. Absolutely. That Absolutely. should have been like uh like a post game concert on a on Saturday night. Yeah. I mean that's usually how those things are done in the first place. Uh they're when you know, people don't show up early to games down here in Miami for pretty much any team, whether it be the Marlins or, or, or the Heat. Yeah. Um there definitely was not gonna be a big crowd there. You know, maybe they kind of thought, you know, if they put the word out there that they're gonna have a performance, that they're gonna have uh, celebrity like DJ Khaled performing with uh, the new Marlins theme song that, you know, people would make the effort to uh, to get there earlier, but it's not happening, especially, in the you know, on a weekday. Um, it wasn't happening. It was just, it, it was it was bad. It was bad to, to, to witness that. Yeah. And then finally the game actually started and Jose Reina gives up a home run on the first pitch of the season. And basically, the Marlins were eliminated from the playoffs right there. Uh, that was like a poetic first pitch right there, just like in one stroke, just ending the Marlins season right then and there. It was, uh, it was, it was unbelievable. But, but the Marlins are actually playing decent. Yeah, 
yeah, they 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 won in the 17 inning game on game two, and then last night they they lost in extra innings again. So they're actually they're giving it to the Cubs, but it's opening week. I don't think you'll it's really know what these season. teams exactly. I'll, you'll probably start to see things kind of getting to normal, maybe two weeks in, or maybe to at least to a month. The first month is just kind of weird. Right. Especially like once the season starts, you know, really weighing down on these, these young players that haven't been on this level before, yeah. you know, the fatigue factor sets in. Or the struggle. Um, right, right. The slumps, you know, things they haven't dealt with before. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's going to be a long year for the Marlins. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's good now, but they're definitely going to hit their bumps in the road uh, yeah. in, in the future as they face these uh these obstacles that every every baseball player every veteran baseball player has to deal with and they're so young and this is all new and you know they're still learning so it's it's going to be quite the season hey Andrew how the Rays do um well we have another game coming up today against the Red Sox um but so far we're one and two on the season um that first game though was was really special because we were down well first off this is the 20th anniversary of the Rays that's um, true as a matter of fact yesterday was exactly the, the, of the first game they did yeah. the whole throwback thing they wore old school jerseys the broadcasters called themselves the devil Rays the whole time it was it was a lot of fun um but on the first game, which was Thursday, uh, the Rays were down 4 nothing going into the eighth. And then they put up a six spot in, in that inning and then went on to win 6-4. to four. Nice. Um, which was capped off by a, a three-run triple by Denard Spann, who was uh, acquired this offseason uh, in the trade that uh, gave the San Francisco Giants seven Longoria. Yeah, the franchise player. I mean, you're—he's basically going to get his number retired there. Yeah, and you know, I've—I've I've always said, you know, I'm not the kind of person to get a jersey with a player's name and number on it because, you know, I don't. Uh, you know, you never know if somebody's going to leave. But if I were to get a jersey, that would probably be his name would probably be on it because he is the franchise player. But, um, yeah, we're off to a one and two start, which uh, I guess is to be expected. This is going to be a rebuilding year. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the 98 season. Now, for the Marlins, it's the 25th anniversary, and – we have our glorious, like I said last time, our glorious 25th anniversary logo with the teal uh, that I, I right. love and I, I, I cherish every day. Every day, I, every time I see a Marlins game, when I see that, I'm just, I, I, I can't get mad at Derek Jeter. I just can't. I love him. <laughs> All is now, forgiven. We're losing 11 to five, but you know what? That 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 right sleeve, that that looks great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stands out in uh, New York hitting two oh home my. runs. That was debut, bad. But... That was as bad as it could be for us. He hits two home yeah. his first at bat, and he hits a home run opposite field to right field against the Toronto Blue Jays 
and it was recorded as the fastest opposite field home run exit velocity since they started tracking the darn thing. <laughs> Typical standoff laser home run. Exactly. I mean, he just looks – he's going to – He's locked in. It's scary because Stan always – with the Marlins, he has pretty much always started the season slow. Mm-hmm. And for him to be locked in in game one on day one, oh, man, this is good. If, I, I hope he stays healthy because if, if he can it's play the 60. full season, he is – yeah, absolutely. He will absolutely hit over 60 home runs. He he is he is in the zone right now, and that is scary for every pitcher that has to go up against him, against a locked-in Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, gosh, the Yankees are going to be good. It's going to be bad. They're going to be real good. They're yeah. going to be so good. Yeah, I tell you, him closing his stance made a lot of difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, we talked about that before. Uh, his... Uh, if you see his early at bats when he first came up, I mean his his batting stance was just kind of weird. He he just didn't look that comfortable. I mean he just had he had the power, but um, he didn't have the technique just yet. And now, oh, good lord, I, it's it's going to be the Yankees and the Astros for the American League Championship again. It's just going to be that so. way. Yeah, yeah, the Astros are locked in too. I mean, they lost one game to the to the Rangers, but they beat them yesterday. They beat them that first game. Um, l- last night they beat them like nine to three. Like the Astros are locked in. They're ready for this. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, uh, so okay, so the season started. Uh, what do you guys think is going to be the? Since I I will I'll just start uh, my predictions for the end of the season. Like what will be the playoff seeds? Uh, for me, uh, the Yankees will win the American League East. I don't think the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox will just be the Red Sox and just they'll be back to cowering to the Yankees as they used to before 2004. Okay. Uh, they the the Astros will take the West because there is no team there that will be able to challenge them. Maybe the Angels can do something, but I don't know. Uh, then the 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 central. I guess I'll have to give it to the Indians. The, the Tigers are going to rebuild. The Royals are rebuilding. The uh, the White Sox might. The White Sox might be better this season, but I don't think they'll make that jump. And the Minnesota Twins. I'm not – they might have, like, that same syndrome the Astros had where they made the playoffs one year, and then the next season they just had, like, that sophomore slump. So I don't – I kind of feel the Twins will be that way. So it'll be the, the Indians taking the Central. And finally, the the wild cards. The Red Sox will take one of the wild cards. And I, I'd have to give the second wild card to – uh, I'd probably give it to Minnesota, but I don't think they would basically be the same teams from last season. I don't know who would make a surprise. Maybe the Angels could, but the Angels kind of disappoint people every once in a while. I, but maybe Shohei Otani will be the spark that they need to finally get over the hump. So 
So those are my predictions for the East or for the American League. Uh, what about you guys, AL? Um, I, honestly, I, I have it pretty much exactly the same as you. I have the Yankees taking the AL East, uh, the Indians taking the AL Central, but I think it's a close battle of the Twins. I think the Twins make up, unlike you, I think the Twins make another step in, in, in you know, their development this year, mm-hmm. and we see them, you know, a good AL Central fight. Uh, in the West, of course, you got to give it to the, to the Astros, and... I'll have the Twins taking taking the wild card. Okay. Uh, what about the second wild card? Do you think the Red Sox will take it? Uh, second wild card, yeah, I'll give it. It will be close between the Red Sox and you know the Angels, but I I do think the Red Sox the Red Sox take it. Okay. How about you, Andrew? The Rays? Um, I'm pretty much on board with you guys. Uh, Yankees. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty much the consensus around the, the whole country. Right. Um, I will say, though, that the Orioles could surprise could surprise you out of the East. Uh, you've got Adam Jones, Manny Machado. Um, they, I think they could be a dark horse in the East. Good call. Um, Royals, well, no, they lost everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that that core they they got the championship when they needed to get it. Right. Um, Sorry, Kelly. I would love to see the Mariners do some damage, uh, especially now that they have Ichiro back. Um, they might have a shot, uh, but I do think the Astros have the West. Uh, I'll say give it to the Indians right now in the Central. Um, as for the wild cards. I'd say probably, you know what, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I'm going to say Orioles and uh, Twins. Oh, nice. 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 Interesting. Boston would not be happy if, if, that, if that ends up being the case. <laughs> oh, that would be so great if Boston wasn't happy. Okay. Uh, all right, so the National League, uh, the National League East, I think, will go to the Washington Nationals again. Uh, they've been they've been feasting, they've been feasting on the 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 NL East for the last few years. But it, the NL East has been pretty weak, other than when the Mets won the the division and the National League championship. But right. I, I think I think they'll win it again. They'll, they'll uh, the Phillies will make a step forward, but there it won't be this year. I think the national. I think the Phillies will make their step next season, when the Nationals will probably lose Bryce Harper after choking in the first round again, and he gets four hundred million dollars to play for somebody, L.A. or New York or Boston or somebody. <laughs> and finally, the 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 Central will probably be the Chicago Cubs again. I think the Cardinals will make a push, but I think they're at the tail end of this core with Yadi Molina, and uh, they can't sustain this momentum for this long. They've been pretty good for the last 20 years, but at some point they have to rebuild or, or at least have a slump, and I think they're getting into that slump. So mm-hmm. the the Brewers, I'm not sold on the Brewers. 
I mean, I know they made some strides last season, but I'm still not sold on them. They got Christian Yelich from Miami, but I have to see more from them. I think they the way that they they were able they they fell off last season. I think they haven't completely remedied everything as far as their pitching is concerned. And the Cubs are just that gigantic powerhouse right now that won't yield in the central. And finally, the West, the Dodgers have been throwing money at everybody and they'll win it again. It's, it's their, their world series of bust this year. So they have to win the West. Uh, the, the West is going to be pretty competitive. I think out of all the divisions this season, it'll be the West that'll be the the most competitive with that, the Rockies and the, the Diamondbacks. The Giants made their push to try and – the even-year magic for 2018 <laughs> to see if they can make the playoffs again. But I don't think it'll work. They just lost Madison Bumgarner until, like, the All-Star break. So they lost their ace, and they're not going to be able to make that up. It, the same thing happened to them last season. They lost Bumgarner, and and they, they just had a horrible season. I don't think Evan Longoria and Andrew McCutcheon will be able to resurrect that franchise for this season. They'll probably they'll probably have to start over. To, I think they're like the Cardinals. They'll be they're just they're gonna lose it. It's just they can't sustain that that long. I think the Giants had their their little dynasty there, and it's over. So the and the wild cards. I think the wild cards will be the St. Louis Cardinals. I think they'll they'll play well enough with Ozuna there and and the reinvigorated offense that they'll they'll make one of the wild card spots. And I think they'll probably face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks because I can't trust the Rockies playing at Coors Field. I can't trust their pitch. I mean, some years they they have the pitchers and offense necessary to get them over the hump at that ballpark, but I just can't trust everything. Unless they have the humidor running on super high over there. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. Uh, you first, Doug. Uh, okay. So, in, uh, in the NL East, uh, got the Nationals up top, but of course, they'll choke in the playoffs. They'll be a non-factor in the playoffs. So yeah, it's a typical Washington Nationals year. And I'll essentially got to give it to the Cubs. They're just a machine right now. Um, they're only going to be getting better as the season progresses. Joe Madden uh, had stated that this was the spring training they've had, our, you know, uh, so far last year's spring training coming off of the World Series. It was a little bit of a hangover year for them. But apparently the, the spring training, the Cubs are looking good. So Cubs take the NL Central. NL West, uh, I'm with you, Francisco. I'm giving it to the Dodgers. They're just throwing so much money at the thing that they're gonna they're gonna outspend everybody to to clinch to clinch the NL West. Yeah. And um, for the wild card teams, I'll I'll give it to the Giants. You know, I, I like what they've done with adding adding McCutcheon and um, Evan Longoria. And you know they're they're a team that tends to play very well above people's expectations. Um, and I they've started it off. They've started the year off good. They're two and one. Uh, I I think they keep rolling. So I'll give the wild card to the Giants. And then my second wild card uh, prediction. 
uh, I guess to, to 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 make it interesting, believe it or not, I'm gonna give it to the Mets. Uh-huh. I'm gonna give it to the to the New York Mets. Um, if their pitching staff can regain their form, because a lot of them are coming off major major injuries, so it's it's a and, big if for the Mets. But mm-hmm. if they can regain their form and sustain it through the year and and see a, a sustained success, along with uh, the batting lineup, I think has enough pop. Michael Conforto has been he's uh I think he had a shoulder injury over over the off season, but he's looking so good right now. He's starting the year off on the DL, but he had at bats in spring training. He was just hitting like home runs and like doubles, triples, RBIs. He was he was looking amazing, uh, coming off an injury that people weren't sure, you know, if he would be able to rebound so quickly. Um and they got Mr. New York on the team, Todd Frazier. Uh, Yankees traded for Todd Frazier last year. He was mm-hmm. a great chemistry guy for the team, uh, a great raw raw guy in the playoff run. And now the Mets have him, so I think the Mets are primed to take the other wild card spot. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. That'd be interesting, actually. Yeah, for sure. But at the end of the day, I think the the Cubs take the NL. And, back you know in the world series okay so uh what about uh you andrew uh well once again i'm pretty much in agreement with you all um nationals should probably take the east division um cubs will probably take the central um dodgers well See, I, I I agree with you though. I think the West is going to be the most contested of the division. Um, I could easily see it coming down to the last few games between the Dodgers Ooh. and the Giants. So you don't see um, the, the Dodgers running away with it? No. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but at least for now, just to play it safe, I'll say go with the Dodgers for the West. Um, but like Doug said, I'll give one of the wild card spots to the Giants, and uh, I, make, I hate making predictions. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think the bottom, like the wild card spot, will be the most competitive out of all of them. Uh, the oh, second sure. wild card, because I, I can see a lot of teams be on the bubble. Uh Cardinals, I have to say, okay. the other one. See, I, I have, I am a, I'm a catcher at heart, so uh, I put a lot of faith into catchers, and the Cardinals and the Giants have two of the best in uh, Yadier Molina for the Cardinals and Buster Posey for the Giants. So you um, see them basically guiding their staff. To, to victory. Pretty much, yeah, especially Posey. Uh, as was pointed out, Madison Bumgarner is, do- is done for a while, but uh, that can be overcome with a, with a really good catcher uh, who can uh, train the staff and keep everyone's confidence up. So I think the Giants will have a good push this year, not to mention it's an even year. 
Yeah. All right. So that's that's our prediction. We won't make World Series predictions until the playoffs start. Because who knows? <laughs> who knows what what will happen? I. Okay. So we're at one hour twenty four minutes. So we're gonna make our closing remarks, guys. Closing statements. Uh, so I don't think they murdered. The, oh no, wait, this isn't law school. Never mind. <laughs> I didn't make my uh, argument. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. <laughs> Um, I guess uh, who wants to go first? Uh, sure. I'll, I guess I'll I'll go and then. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess I want to make one last remark about uh, Scott Foster. Oh yes, Scott. What Foster. an amazing story. Yeah. Okay. So, the National Hockey League has this thing called the emergency backup. Or basically, if something goes horribly wrong, where one of the teams has both of their goalies that are usually on the bench, uh, usually on the roster, go down, they can pick somebody else to be the emergency goalie. Just anybody. They can just sign them for the day, sign them for the, 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 the game, and they'll put on the jersey, put on their gear, and, and get in the game. So... The NHL instituted a rule where there was there has to be an emergency backup in the arena at all times. So they usually, uh, I see them. Uh, he's usually up at the press in the press box eating, you know, chips and popcorn and stuff. Uh, but last uh, maybe a few a few nights ago, the Chicago Blackhawks were facing the Winnipeg Jets, and Scott Foster, an accountant by day, 36 years old, who hadn't played any meaningful, really meaningful hockey since he was at Western Michigan University 15 years ago. He was called upon to actually play in the game. So, mind you, the normal thing is that the normal thing is that these guys never play. These guys usually just sit on the bench and the backup goalie just sucks it up and keeps playing. Well, the Blackhawks' backup goalie couldn't – he just couldn't. He was really, really injured. He couldn't play. So Scott Foster comes in. The Blackhawks are winning 6-2. to two, And there's 14 minutes left. So he has 14 minutes to survive NHL-level talent. And, and uh, Andrew, can you summarize what, what happened? He made seven stops. He didn't let anything hit. He he pitched a shutout in 14 minutes, and a couple of those saves were just absolutely incredible. Uh, Textbook-type stuff. And don't do it, Francisco. You'll get demonetized. (laughs) I know. I just want to show him a little bit. I'm sure 10 seconds won't kill the NHL. But there he is. That's him. That's Scott Foster actually coming into the game and yeah he he actually made a really good save I think it's yeah right that was, I'll pause he that made thing. one thing in particular that was like true NHL quality it was around the four minute mark remaining in the period so yeah that's Scott Foster oh, he got the first start of the game yeah, like that's 
That's awesome. Could you imagine, Doug? Could you imagine you're sitting at Marlins Park, and let's say they had an emergency catcher position. (laughs) They're just like, yo, can you do this for us? (laughs) Throw me in, coach. I'm ready. I brought my glove to the game for a reason. You ever catch a 95-mile-per-hour fastball? Dude, every day. (laughs) Every Uh, day. I probably wouldn't even see it. It'll probably hit me in the head, and they'd have to take me out on the stretcher. <laughs> okay, we need the emergency, emergency player. Right. Again. <laughs> uh, I, I'm hoping, you know what, every league should have that. Every yeah, league. that would be fun. Okay, like for baseball, it would probably be like an emergency catcher because there aren't too many catchers out there. Right. It's such a skilled possession. You can't have too many people out there because I can do it. For football, who, what would it be in football? A Probably kicker? quarterback. Well, kicker. Well, anybody uh, – I, I, I don't know. Or – no, an emergency center. <laughs> <laughs> that person would have to be in every play. All right, you're just going to line up here. Just just ignore Indomitian Sue. That's fine. Just let him walk by. <laughs> just ignore him. That's fine. Uh, and uh, in basketball, what would it be? It'd be hard in basketball to have a position like that. Yeah, I, don't, I really think you could only do it in hockey pretty much. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, guys. Uh, that's an hour and a half. I'm I'm gonna call it. So we did this a lot shorter than the last one. So hopefully, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, more concise, much better. I'm glad you guys came by this Sunday morning to on yeah, Easter man. Sunday. Uh, so thank you, Doug, for coming by. Uh, yeah, man, I don't no have problem. I don't have an Xbox. I wish I did so I could play you more. But you're Meridian <laughs> on an Xbox. Uh, and then Dan Frijoles, I wish I had a PS4, but I don't. <laughs> but you're we Dan Frijoles on PSN. That. Yeah, we're we actually were actually going to do that. We, we, we're terrible at, for playing games with each other because we all have different consoles. Exactly. We got a Switch, we got a PS4, and we got an Xbox One. Yeah, and I was, saying, I was telling Andrew, like, you, have, you and Andrew own a Mac, but I have a PC. And then mm-hmm. uh, me and Doug own iPhones, but Andrew owns an Android. We're just completely incompatible. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could play like Fortnite or PUBG mobile now, now that they release those games on mobile. So maybe we could play that together. But I was trying to get us to play like like some old sports games on emulators on here. So that's an idea I'm going to throw around, but we still got to work out the kinks for that. But that's all, everybody. Yeah. Um, yep. So... Take care. Have a good night. Good evening. Good whatever. Enjoy your Sunday. Passover. And enjoy your Sunday. So, (laughs) bye-bye.